Sunday of the year. No better place to spend it than Harvard's Baptist Church. Amen. Fully convinced of that. Yeah, we do go back a, a long time. There's no uh, doubt about that. And I thank God for your faithfulness and how good he has been to you over, over the years. I don't know, but has it ever happened to you? you? You walk into a room and say, I came in here for something. Or you go upstairs and you say, yeah, what did I, I, then you start down halfway down, oh, I remember, then you go back up, you know, it kind of reminds me about those, that couple that were going out for dinner and a uh, fellow was sat in the front and lady sat in the back so they could converse easy enough. And uh, along the way, the fellow says to the driver and he says to the driver, hey, you been in any good restaurants lately? He says, oh, yeah, we had a real nice one last week. The food was good. The portions were generous. The atmosphere was fantastic, and the prices were reasonable. Oh, really? Uh, what's the name of that restaurant? He goes, it's, uh, what's the name of that flower? It's got a stem and thorns. Rose. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, Rose, what's the name of that restaurant that we went to? <laughs> Maybe it's not quite that bad. But I want to put you in remembrance of some things today. We all like to learn new things, but yet we need to remember what we have learned in the past and to, as Paul said, I put you in remembrance. So if you take your Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians, if you will, chapter number 4. 2 Corinthians... And the fourth chapter. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them who are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light, of the glorious gospel of Christ, whose image of God should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God, not of us. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, Cast down, but not destroyed. 
always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Ten years old, I believe I was, perhaps 11, on a hot August Saturday morning, my mama said to me, Danny, I want you to go upstairs, and I want you to change your clothes, because we're going to go shopping downtown. Now, that's before there were malls, and there were plazas and everything, and you went downtown to do shopping, and when you went downtown, you got dressed up to, do down, to go downtown. I went up and changed my clothes, and we got in the automobile, drove the perhaps seven miles or so from our house in Woolkit to Waterbury, to the city. Mama gave the keys of her car to the man who would park it for her. And we started our way down between two very tall buildings, walking in the shadow of those buildings. At the end of that city block, I remember stepping out of the shadow of those buildings into the brightness of the sun. I was almost blinded. That ever happened to you? You just go out and, oh, the sun is just so bright, reflecting off the white sidewalk, the mirrored glass of the department stores, squinting my eyes, almost painful, the brightness of the light upon them. We turned the corner. And there was a sight that I have remembered all of these years. There was a man standing in the middle of the block. He had very, very dark sunglasses on. In one hand, he had a little tin cup with some coins in it. In the other hand, he had a long white cane with a metal tip on the edge. And he would stand there on that street corner and take that little tin cup with a few coins that were in it and he'd rattle that to get the attention of those that would walk by. With the cane, he'd tap the pavement again to get the attention of someone that would walk by. As we got closer to him, I noticed around his neck a piece of cardboard. And a, somebody had taken a crayon and written a message on that cardboard and with a piece of yarn on one side around his neck, on the other side hung it there. As we got closer to this gentleman, Mama stopped and opened up her purse to put some money in the cup. I looked at the sign and it was striking to me, and I've never forgotten it. Simple words on that sign said, the sun is shining, but I am blind. And I thought, here he was, in the same brightness of the same sunlight that I was in, but him was darkness. He must have felt its warmth radiate from the sidewalk, and surely upon him he must have known the warmth of the sun, 
But to him, it was darkness. And I began thinking what his life might have been, what his life might be like. To wake up in the morning, not looking out the window and say, what a beautiful day God has given us. Or a beautiful sunset when God paints the sky with a million pastel colors. Or to look upon the beauty of God's creation of a field of flowers. For to him, it was nighttime all the time. Then some years later, reading this verse of scripture, it is hid to them that are lost and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And I thought of another blindness. Not a blindness of sight of the eyes, but the blindness of the devil of the mind. And how many today can see God's creation, but not see the creator? How many today can look at the miracle of life of a, of a, of a newborn baby and not see God? I can never understand you can look into the eyes of a newborn baby and hold that baby in your arms and not believe that there's a God in charge of all things. The devil had blinded the minds of them. Which, you know why people don't believe the gospel? Because their minds are blinded by the devil. Oh, they see, they hear, but their minds blind them. The God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not. But I know a great physician. <laughs> I know someone that could make the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, and the blind to see. And I'm so thankful for your life and your testimony and what he's done in my life and my testimony on that day, wherever it was for you, whenever it was for you, when the glorious light of the gospel of Christ shined into your soul and you surrendered to the Lord. You know, folks don't realize surrendering to God is a good thing. Uh, my uncle, he's dead now, served in World War II and was captured by the Japanese early on in the war and spent much of World War II in a Japanese prison camp in the Philippines. When I was there, I saw with the, the, the path, the death march from Corregidor to Bataan, I thought how many Americans had died by the wayside there. And when the time came and they were outnumbered and they surrendered. They surrendered to an enemy that was harsh to them and mean to them. Thank God when you surrender to Jesus, it's not your enemy that you're surrendering to, but the lover of your soul. The God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believed not. But yet I fear that also he could blind the minds of some of God's people too. There are some things God want you to see that the devil doesn't want you to see. There was something God want you to know that the devil doesn't want you to know. There was something God wants you to do that the devil doesn't want you to do. Let me take a few moments this morning and to see the, how the devil blinds the minds many times of God's people. 
We find, first of all, that the devil blinds minds of God's people to the goodness of God. Folks, I can honestly say, and you'll have to agree with me, God has been good to you. And God has been good to this church. So I've got a lot of problems. I got a lot of home problems and the family problems. But God's still been good to you. But you know, the devil doesn't want you to see how good God's been to you. You know what the devil loves? He loves complainers. Oh, he loves people that can. You, never, you ever know anybody like that? No matter what, you can't make them happy. No matter what you do, you know, the church is too cold. The church is too hot. The preacher's too loud. The preacher's too soft. The preacher preaches too long. The preacher preaches too short. He's too shallow. He's too deep. I mean, people just love to complain about something. If I ever told you about that one fellow, uh, I don't know. You know, some pe- maybe you're one of them. Some people are morning people. They wake up, oh, it's morning, it's morning, all right, all right. And was, uh, instead of getting up and saying, good morning, Lord, they said, good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> this fellow was married to his wife who was a, a morning person. And he, he grumpy in the morning. As one person said, do you wake up grumpy in the morning? He says, no, I let him sleep. <laughs> but... And uh, she was up and in the kitchen, and he come down, and she says, "Good morning. Oh, morning. I got morning. morning. I got so much to do today. Oh, good morning. I'm not gonna be a good morning. Breakfast. Breakfast. I want breakfast. Make me breakfast." He says, "Okay, honey. No problem. I'll make you breakfast. Good. Eggs. Eggs. I want eggs. For, I'll get eggs, honey. Two. Two eggs. I want two eggs, honey. Two eggs coming up." I want one fried and one scrambled. Okay. She fries up an egg and scrambles the other, puts it in front of him, and he goes, huh, just as I thought, you scrambled the wrong egg. <laughs> there are some people you're never going to set, always complain, and the devil loves it. He doesn't want you to see how good God has been to you. And there's a good biblical reason for it, and it's found in Romans chapter number 2 in your Bible. You'll turn there, and you'll see why the devil doesn't want you to see the goodness of God. Romans chapter number 2 and verse number 4, the Bible says, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? You see, when you see how good God's been, and you quit complaining and finding fault with a lot of things, you begin to realize you got a whole lot more than you deserve. And when you see the goodness of God, the Bible tells us here, the goodness of God will lead you to repentance to say, God, I don't deserve this. I don't know about you, but people always ask me, how you doing today? How you doing today? How you doing today? And I always like that answer. Not original with me, but I picked it up and I use it. Better than I deserve. God's been good. Now, sometimes when I talk to young people in camp, and I did youth camp for about 24 years straight, had youth camp, 
from various places in the United States. I had youth camp in the Philippines, uh, young people. Uh, I always like to give an illustration on the, uh, on the goodness of God. And uh, I would take out a white piece of poster board, and i say, okay, kids, what do you see on, on the poster board? Well, see, there ain't nothing on the poster board, just all white poster board. What do you see? A white poster board. I said, okay. And I bring it down behind the pulpit, and I have a marker there, and I'll make a, a big yellow mark or black mark or green or blue, whatever color I happen to have, and I make a dot like that in the middle. And I hold it up. Tell me everything you see uh, now. He says, oh, we see the green dot. We see the green dot. I says, what else? No, just to go. There's a whole lot of something else up there. Just the green dot. says, what happened to all that white around it? How come you don't see that anymore? And that's what the devil does. He'll get you to find one small thing that you don't like. One small thing like a burr under your saddle and have you focus on that and forget all the good all around it. Because the devil doesn't want you to repent of your sin when you see how good God has been to you. They say opposites attract. I think that's true in marriage. I've seen it so often, haven't you? I mean, it's true in my wife and myself, you know. I'm the quiet, serene one. (laughs) But they say opposites attract. I can imagine, I come home and I said, honey, I told you I'd come home. I didn't have supper ready because I got to go a meeting tonight. I got to head out. I don't have much. Ice. Honey, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. But I need to do it. Relax, honey. It'll be okay. You'll have plenty of time. And then she'll make some. I said, now, why'd you make that? You know I don't like that. It's what the Lord provides. And I ran and ran. And she's as sweet and as kind. I could say, this coming June, we'll be married 50 years. <laughs> We've not had a fight yet. Now, don't get me wrong. Not because I wasn't willing but she just won't fight back. <laughs> She'll smile. She'll be nice. She'll be sweet. And then I'm ranting and raving, and all of a sudden, you know how I feel? Just about that big. You know, I used to be six feet tall, but... <laughs> what and I said, honey, I'm sorry. I'm acting like a jerk. She says, I know. <laughs> what happened? Her goodness brings me to repentance. When I see how good God's been to this church, I preach in every building you've been in, including the tent. (laughs) And I said, God's been good to you. Look at your life, and I don't know a lot of things personally about you, but when we fellowship a little bit, you'll tell me about something, and I say, God's been good to you, hasn't he? God has blessed you. Let me ask you, how many times, if ever, or how long ago has it been since you came to an altar during an invitation time just to thank God for his goodness? Just to thank God for his his blessing upon you? See, the devil doesn't want you to see how good God's been to you. I told the early morning crowd, I was flying back from Detroit, struck up a conversation with a man on an airplane. His name was Bill. And... uh, we were talking, he, and he had just closed a business deal. His commission on that business deal was $90,000. That was his commission. 
So I imagine the sale was a lot more than that. He invited me to his home in Woodbridge, Connecticut, and one day I decided, I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down, I'm going to see Bill. I drove to his driveway, big fancy driveway, big old lions out in the front, you know, on the pillars, lanterns, windy driveway, water fountains, figurines, flower gardens, I mean, just beautifully uh, uh, laid out and landscaped. I came to a clearing and this beautiful, huge building was there. Four big pillars in the front, big old chandelier hanging down, a Cadillac and a Lincoln in the driveway. And I pulled my Subaru between the two of them. Because I told you before what a Subaru is, that's a, you are a bus backwards. But anyway, we just, I rang the doorbell and a lady came. I introduced myself. She said, my husband been talking about you. Come in. Beautiful house. Figurines, expensive furniture, kitchen with all of the high tech and latest appliances, china closet with imported china. Just a beautiful home. We sat down and talked a while, and Bill came down. We talked about our flight and, and our conversation on the plane. I brought the conversation around to spiritual things. I began talking about how good God is. And folks, he looked at me, and he said, Putcher, I want you to know God ain't never done nothing for me. tried to reach him for Christ. It was useless. It was hopeless. I had to leave. I sat in the car heartbroken. I said, I want to go visit some Sunday school children, bus kids. Come on the bus to Sunday school. A little town, some of you know it, Terryville, Connecticut. Some of you know where Terryville is. Just a little, little, little town. It's so small, it says Terryville on both sides of the sign. <laughs> Found the address. Mailbox was leaned over. The driveway was dirt, ruddy, rocks sticking out. Came to a little clearing, and there was a, a wagon with the front wheels off of it. A tricycle with two wheels on it. I walked up the steps and they were rickety and put my hand on the railing and it wasn't so secure either. <laughs> I stood on the porch and saw the windows had cracks on them with duct tape on the cracks of the windows. Screen on the screen door was all broken. Dirty fingerprints all around it. Went in, I knocked on the door and woman came to the door. She said, Brother Susan, I'm so glad you're here. I just made some chocolate chip cookies, and I could smell them, and I knew that she did. And she invited me to have some, which I gladly accepted. <laughs> I walked in the house, and there was the table. But a leg was broken. They had four or five books under that leg of that table, holding that table up. The chair was unstable. The carpet was threadbare. Some parts through the floor, I could see daylight. And she came out with a paper plate with three chocolate chip cookies on it. She says, I have some lemonade. Please 
let me get some for you. Little plastic cup, like you'd get in a Happy Meal from McDonald's or something. She put it in front of me, and then she said, Brother Susan, would you return thanks, please? God has been so good to me. I never forgot that. And God's been good to you. But the devil wants to blind your mind. Says, yeah, I got a house, but I got a faucet that leaks. Well, bless God, you got a faucet. I got a leak in the roof. Well, I understand that, but you got a roof. And I've been wearing the same shoes for two years. But bless God, you still got shoes. Do you realize that you have more shoes than Jesus ever had? You realize you have more clothes and change of garments than Jesus ever had? You realize you have a bed in the house and Jesus never had that? He said, a bird has nests, a fox has holes, but the Son of Man has not where to lay his head. You have a lot to be thankful for this morning in your life. But the devil doesn't want you to see it. Secondly, the devil doesn't want you to see your true spiritual condition. Please turn to Matthew chapter 23. When God came to Adam after Adam had sinned and, and God said to Adam, where art thou? Adam was somewhere. <laughs> where are you this morning with God? Where are you spiritually with God this morning? Where are you? And Matthew chapter 23 shows our true spiritual uh, condition. And verse number 25, Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within, they're full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee. Cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye are likened unto whitened sepulchres or graves, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead man's bones and all uncleanliness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but without. But within, ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. What does God see when he looks at us today? We may clean the outside. We adorn ourselves and present ourselves. But as I look out, even among you and those that I have known for a while, and even those I have not known, I can look out among you and... I can't picture any of you with a curse word coming out of your mouth. I couldn't imagine any of you holding a cigarette or a can of beer. Because God did some work in your life and changed you. And because we're changed on the inside, we're changed on the outside. But there's a problem because sometimes we show more on the outside than we are on the inside. 
What is our true spiritual condition? Don't measure it because you're in church today. Don't measure it because uh, you put money in the offering plate. But what is your true spiritual condition? You see, the devil doesn't want you to see our true spiritual condition. Sometimes we get to the point where it says, well, I'm as godly as I'll ever be. Really? You mean there's no room to grow closer to Jesus? 49 years ago, going on 50 soon, and I stood at the altar of a church and watched a young lady walk down the aisle with a garment of white, she stood there and we gave our vows to each other. I didn't think I could love her any more than I did at that moment. All, I, all my love, sirs, all of it. There's no more I can love you with. You got it all. But I was wrong. As time goes on, love grows. And I love her more now than I ever did before. And hopefully I love her more tomorrow. And it's ought to be the same way with Jesus in your life. Yeah, you loved him when you got saved. But we need to be growing in our love. But we don't always see our true spiritual condition. We don't see ourselves as, 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 as God sees us. In the eyes of the world, we may appear wonderful and godly and good. But God looks deeper than that upon our, our, our life. I know the Bible says man looketh on the outward appearance, and that's what's easy to keep up. But the Lord looks on the heart today. And we need to ask God this morning, God, let me see what I'm really like on the inside. We know. And it's so hard to admit, isn't it, that there are things in our life that aren't right. There are things in our home that are not right. And we need to know our true spiritual condition. Everybody thinks they're better than somebody else in some respects. Uh, <laughs> I could show you a picture of a pastor in the Philippines. I preach in this church, the Blue Ridge Baptist Church in Quezon City in the Philippines. His pulpit was way down here. So I love going to the Philippines. Everybody's my size. The top of his head comes to my shoulder. I showed that picture to my sons, and they looked, and they go, wow, Dad, you look tall in there. <laughs> and I was, <laughs> compared to him. I stand next to some of you guys. Mm, no, I'm not so tall no more. Well, how do you stand when you stand next to Jesus? Mm. Didn't Peter say, depart from me, O Lord? I'm a sinful man. The devil doesn't want you to see your true spiritual need and condition today. You're okay. Not perfect. You're okay. But you know that there are things in your life that God wants to deal with. Thirdly, this morning, quickly, the devil blinds men to the way of salvation. And Matthew, in that chapter number seven, familiar passage of scripture, I know, but verse number 13, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. There's two roads in life you can go down. 
You can go down the broad road of the devil in which the crowd is on. Or you can go down the straight and narrow road to God, which Jesus is on. Every road leads somewhere. I don't care. Get on any road. It's going to bring you somewhere. Sometimes it's a dead end. And some people felt that way in 2018. They come to a dead end in their life and decided to end it. What road are you on? The broad road of the world. But oh, all my friends are here. And every, yes, that's why it's broad, because the multitudes are on the road of destruction. But there's a straight and there's a narrow road that leads unto eternal life. And that's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. But the devil blinds men to the truth of salvation. Now, the market right, folks, there's only one way to God. And that's through Jesus Christ. You say, well, that's narrow-minded. Yeah, because it's God's heaven and God decides who gets there. One way is through Jesus. No one was ever saved apart from him. In Chicago, there used to be a nightclub called, get this, the Gates of Hell. That was the nightclub name. It was known for drunkenness, debauchery, and uh, immorality, uh, and all. A visitor was visiting Chicago, wanted to see the gates of hell, a nightclub. Couldn't quite find it. He asked the guy in the street, he says, hey, buddy, can you tell me how I can get to the gates of hell nightclub? He says, oh, yeah, you're not far from it. Just go down two blocks, come to the traffic light, take a left. You're going to come to Calvary Church. Go right by Calvary. You'll come to the gates of hell. You can't miss it. What a sermon. Yeah. You go by Calvary. You'll end up in the gates of hell. The devil says, oh, you're good, but you're not. And maybe you are, but you're not good enough for heaven. That's why you need Jesus today. But the devil wants to blind you to the way of salvation. But then again, too, and here's a thought for you. And this kind of bothers me sometimes. The devil blinds people, young people, young men, young ladies, moms, dad, to the joys of the Christian life. I'm glad I'm saved, aren't you? I mean, aren't you glad you're saved? <laughs> but the devil doesn't want you to enjoy yourself. There was a commercial on TV. I forgot what it was for. I hope it wasn't for something bad because I just remember this part of it. <laughs> says, look, but don't touch. Touch, but don't use. Use, but don't enjoy. A lot of folks are just like that in their Christian life. They just don't enjoy being saved. Now, folks, there's only one thing that will rob you of the joy of your Christian life, and that's some sin in your heart and some sin in your life. And it will rob you of the joy of the life. You tell me. Girl wakes up this morning. Tears on her pillow saying, God, I hope I'm not pregnant, God. You tell me that's joyful living? The young man wakes up and says, man, I got stoned last night. Ooh, I don't know. Oh, I hope I didn't catch any type of communicable disease. Oh, I hope I you tell me that's joy? You tell me it's joy when a daddy or a mommy comes home drunk and abuses each other? You tell me that's a joyful life? 
You tell me it's joyful to wake up. I got to go find my man. I need another fix. I need another fix. I get, you tell me that's joyful. And I'll call you a liar. But there's joy as we sang this morning in serving Jesus. I wake up this morning and I say, thank God, I'm going to go, go preach in Harvest Baptist Church. <laughs> I go home tonight, put my head on a pillow, look my wife in the eye with no guilt and no fear. The Bible says in Hebrews, concerning Jesus, that for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross and despised the shame. He had a joy in his heart and a joy in his life. I never saw a drunkard that was happy. I never saw a drug addict that was satisfied. I never saw an immoral person with a joyful life. But I'll tell you, being among Christians and the joy of the Lord, you can't be that. The devil doesn't want you to have a joyful Christian life. He wants you miserable upset and complaining all the time. Well, I think it's about time we let the great physician come and remove those blinders from our life that we got a lot to be joyful from. But then lastly, let me hasten to say this. The devil blinds men as to death and judgment. I always like being around children and Sometimes children ask me questions, and I really don't mind, but a question that they seem to ask me a lot now that they never asked before is, Brother Susan, how old are you? <laughs> and I was like playing with them a little bit, and I said, guess, how old do you think I am? And they are all over the place. 30? Oh, bless your heart. A <laughs> 100? <laughs> I told one little boy how old I was, and he looked at me, and he goes, wow, you're old enough to die. <laughs> I, I didn't want to tell him so was he, because death is no respect to a person, but I didn't want him going home, I'm going to die. You say, I'm a young person. I'm young yet. I'm a teen or even preteen. And I'm, a, I'm, in my, I'm a young adult. Go to any cemetery, and I'll guarantee you there's somebody your age buried there. And some of you know teenage friends that are in the grave, little babies that are in the grave. Death is no respecter of persons, but the devil wants to blind you to the truth of death and in judgment. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 27, it is appointed unto men once to die. You have an appointment. You will not miss it. You will not be late. You can make no excuse to be excused from it. That appointment will be kept. Just as you have a birthday, there will be a death day. You ever notice on a tombstone, it has the names and a date of birth, usually, right? Then there's a dash, then the date of death. Date of birth, date of death. That whole person's life is wrapped up in that dash, in between those two. 
a little line. How quickly life passes. It is appointed unto men who wants to die. Are you ready to meet God? Are you ready to die? Somebody said, well, I'm saved, preacher. Yeah, but are you going to meet him unprepared as a Christian and be embarrassed, ashamed, with nothing to offer him on that day? The Bible says many will be ashamed at his coming. Do you ever have an unexpected guest in the house? Don't bother men so much, but ladies, somebody shows up and says, oh, no, there's dishes in the sink, and there's this and that, you know. And then, why? Because they weren't expected, and you weren't ready. That's how being the coming of the Lord are you ready? Are you ready? The devil blinds men as to death and judgment. It will happen. You need to be prepared because heaven is a prepared place for a prepared, for a prepared people. The God of this world blinds. I need a spiritual healing of my mind, so I can see the goodness of God this morning. To see my true spiritual condition of God, I need some help in my life. Don't ever be ashamed, nor embarrassed, or hesitant to come to an altar and ask God to help you. Well, can I do it from my seat? You can do it anywhere you want to do it. But to recognize you have a need in your life that only God can meet. To ask God to give you the joy of your salvation. If I were to ask you, are you saved? Are you saved? You say, yes. Are you enjoying it? I asked the people, are you saved? I always like joking around a little bit. I know that's out of character for me. But anyhow, I say, are you still saved? And I go, well, of course I'm still saved. I said, are you enjoying it? <laughs> there may be some here, you're saved, but you're not enjoying it. Why don't you get your heart right with God this morning? Reconcile with him and let the joy of the Lord come into your heart and come into your life. Honey, would you go to the piano, please? The God of this world, the devil, blinds the mind of them which sin not. Would you stand with me, please, and look up this way? This morning, God touched your heart, and you know he has. Many have already come. I wonder this morning if you'd be willing to say, Lord, you come to the side, God, you've been good to me. You've been good to me, God. You've been good to me. And let that goodness lead to repentance in your life. Any others that would just come and say, God, you've been good to me. He's been good to you. Why don't you come and acknowledge it?